Okay, so um, open your Bibles at Romans chapter 5. We're not actually going to start there, but that's where we're heading. We're actually uh, going to start in the Old Testament. But where I want to go to today is like the, the pivot point in the whole uh, things that uh, Paul is saying in Romans. So if you get today, it's going to allow you to put everything else into proportion. Um, because by the end of today, you should see yourselves differently. So have a, look at, have a look at the person next to you and see if you can see any change of him by the end of the service. All right? Yeah? Yeah? There's your challenge. Just, just say with me, I'm going to be changed today. I'm going to be changed today. Okay. So... I want to go back to that illustration that I've been using um, for a lot of this series. You remember we were talking about the, the well, a, a patient that had kept going to the doctors and they kept being sick and they were tired and they were getting breathless and each time they went to the doctors, the doctor prescribed an increase in the medication and more exercise and healthy diet and all the rest of it and they felt better for a little while but then... They, they got worse again, and this time they got much worse. So the response again was more medication, stronger medication, uh, more exercise, better diet, lots of things that men don't want to eat in the diet, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, and they kept getting worse. They get better for a little while and then worse again. And eventually we find out that, that what's happened is that, that whilst we've been treating the symptoms, what was actually going on inside the body is that the heart had been damaged and it was also a cancer that was spreading right through the body. And we left the story with uh, the, the patient being told that actually there was nothing they can do for them in terms of treatment, what was needed, and the only hope was radical surgery. Do you remember the story? Because we're going to get to the surgeon's table today. So last week we talked about how uh, we... We, we place ourselves, or, or Christ places us in grace, and we stand there. When That relates in the story to the idea that actually what we're, we're doing is we're allowing the surgeon to change us, to, to perform the surgery. In the same way as when we believed, when we first believed, we allowed God or gave him permission to change us, to change our lives. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what God did to radically change our lives. So that's where we're going. Does that make sense? Yeah? Good. Um, we identified that the issue isn't our sin actions. That's a symptom. The problem is our hearts are wrong. Do you remember that? That the, Our hearts are the problem. Not the, not the external actions. It's the inward thing that is producing the problem. And, and a lot of what we've done around the, the body of Christ and a lot of the way we've communicated uh, face to people outside uh, the church, outside the body of Christ, is we treat the, we treat the symptoms. We, we, we have lists of do's and we have lists, a, a list of don'ts and we, we have the shalts and the shalt nots and, and we, we spend a lot of time trying to make people better. And... We've reduced what is a, the, the power to change lives and change, change the whole nation. We've reduced it down to behavior modification. Because we've been trying to treat the symptoms when the problem is the heart. And 
What we haven't understood is that God has a radical solution for our heart. He's got a, a, a radical solution for the, the, the cause of the problem, not the symptoms. So we need to shift to treating the cause of the problem and not the symptoms anymore. And that's a big change in the way uh, we, we relate to God. It's a big change in the way we've, we've taught people to relate to God. And um, you can't quite see it, but if, if you were stood outside and you looked through those, those trees this morning, you would see a huge building being built. Anybody know what that building is? It's, it's the new Papworth Hospital, the new Heart Hospital. So it's moving from its, its site near Les and Joyce's and it's moving here onto this site. Now Papworth is, for, for those of you who don't know, is the, the, the leading heart hospital in the whole of Europe. And it's the place where the first heart transplant was performed. And it's the, the first uh, place where they did whole heart transplants because what, what they did originally was just graft on parts of healthy hearts but it, the... the, the, the found that that wasn't as effective as changing and transplanting the whole heart. So there's this big, big building being built there. And what it has is it pioneered heart surgery. And basically what happens with heart surgery is that the patient is uh, obviously sedated, put under anaesthetic, and they take the, whole, the old heart out. And, and the way they do that is that they bypass everything. So you, you, you basically mechanically function, uh, pumping the blood around, pumping all the rest of the stuff around. While they take that old heart out, it being diseased and irreparable, and the, whole, the old heart is then dead. And they put a new healthy heart in from a donor. Not a diseased heart, a healthy, strong heart from a healthy donor. So we're going we're gonna to see that in the way God does things because we reflect often in the natural what God can do in the supernatural. And the NHS, I looked on the website, this is how they define a heart transplant. It's an operation to replace a damaged and dying heart with a healthy heart from a healthy donor. And... Something incredible happened when you first believed in Christ. And it's so incredible that we've managed to keep it as a secret in the church because we don't talk about it very much. And what happened when you first believed in Christ is that that disease, that problem, the root cause of what is wrong, the new heart, so your old heart was taken out and you were given a new heart with different desires. Now, I'm going to refer to that new heart, and that's what I'm going to talk about this morning, but I'm going to refer to that as the new man, because that's how Paul talks about it. But I'm going to show you that what's actually happened is that you've had a heart transplant. Okay, so I want you to... Uh, you can stay in Romans chapter 5, but I'll, 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 I'll read these verses for you, Okay? And God said, he prophesied in the Old Testament that he was going to come up with a complete solution for what the problem was. And this is how he put it. In he, 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 the, the prophecy is in Ezekiel chapter 36. 
Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a new heart of flesh, a soft heart. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you'll be careful to observe all my ordinances. So what God is saying is that there's going to come a time, remember this is Old Testament, this is before Christ, there's going to come a time when that old diseased heart, that whole old problem heart that is disobedient and rebellious and, and, and is causing all the sin in your life, is going to be replaced with a new heart in which that, that is empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. And because of that, you won't need the law anymore. What you'll have is you'll have an understanding within you of the desires of God, the love of God, the life of God. Okay? We're just all distracted at the moment, aren't we? All right, let's let's, let's just take a deep breath. Let's focus. Okay? We'll pretend there's no people over there. Because I don't want you to miss this, because this is really important. Okay, so we'll just wait. Because it's a lack of understanding of this that stops Christians walking in the freedom and the power that Christ died to give them. This is, this is the crucial thing. You see, Jesus didn't just die so that we could be forgiven. Jesus died so that we could no longer be dominated by sin. Jesus died so that we could have new life. Jesus died so that we could have relationship with him. And it's this new heart, this heart transplant that allows that to happen. Because our old nature, who we were before we came to Christ, wasn't capable of doing that. We, you know, honestly, we didn't like God. Man didn't like God. And, and now we've got, God's done this miraculous thing in us that sets us free. So Ezekiel goes on with his prophecy and, and Many of you will know what happens next in what he's saying because he says, he starts to talk about a really famous vision called the Valley of the Dry Bones. And, and he tells them to speak to these dry bones and they'll come to life. And that prophecy finishes off with this statement. And, it, and it's basically what God is saying. He's, he's going to bring his church to life. He's going to do something that gives his church his life as opposed to uh, the, 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 the dry, um, empty life that they had. So Ezekiel 37 verse 14 says this, I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. I will place you on your own land, then you will know that I the Lord has spoken and done it, declares the Lord. So he's saying, well, this is what I'm going to do. Now, if we go forward to the other side of the cross, we find Paul in Second uh, Corinthians saying, you remember what these guys said about having a new heart and having the spirit put in you? Well, it's now happened. It's now happened. And so we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and we find this. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, who's in Christ here? Go on, we, we learnt that last week. You're in Christ. Yeah, if, you believe, if you're a believer, you're in Christ. So this is you. 
If any man is in Christ, this is what's happened. You are a new creation. Now, that, that word new creation is literally new species of being. What that means is you are not the same as people who are non-believers. You are completely different. And we, we walk around and we see ourselves and we go, well, everybody's the same. We're just ordinary people. We're just ordinary people and we're humans and, and everybody else, you know, just the same as us. They're not the same as you. You have the spirit of God living in you. You are a new creation, a new species of being. So you are not human. Now, some of you will find that easier to believe about others than, than, than maybe you think, but you're not human. You are Christians. You are little anointed ones. You are full of the Holy Spirit. You have a new heart. And it says this, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. All things old have passed away. Behold, all things new have come. Something has happened. Who you were before you believed is not the same person you are after you believe. And the trouble is, because we don't know this, lots of people carry on trying to um, change the person that they were before they believed. And that person doesn't exist. We're working on somebody who's dead. We're working on a dead heart. We're putting the power electrodes on it, trying to get it to work, when actually the surgeons put a new heart in us. And we don't need to do anything with the old heart. Yeah. Are you getting this? Because it's really crucial. Because what you, the way you see yourself affects the way you approach your relationship with God. Let me, let me take it on from there. Now, in this, <laughs> that's the kids doing worship. Okay, well, we'll, we'll go with that. What we're doing this is the heart is key. And I'm going to just show you why that is. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, what that means is, the way you see yourself, the way you see God, the, the belief systems you have about the world actually determines the way you behave and the way you live your life. You can't live differently from the way you think about those things. So if God is going to change anything about you, and we all want change for the better, then he's going to have to change the way you think. He's going to have to change the way you believe. And the only way he can do that is to change your heart. Because remember... If your desires are wrong, it'll produce wrong behaviours. If your desires are right, it'll produce right behaviours. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says this, that um, out, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life, or it is the source of life. What's in your heart produces the life you live. So that's why God did something radical by changing our hearts. Are you with me? Good, because we, we nearly got to Romans now, but I needed to show you where it was coming from. Because um, one of the things when we, when we teach through a book is sometimes we don't have the backstory. You see, these, these, Paul is actually talking to, about them, to them about stuff that some of them already knew. So we have to have the backstory about what we're talking about. So the, the, the key point here is for your life to change, the source of your life needs to change. 
And this way, and, and the source of your life won't change by behavior modification. It needs something much more radical than that. So we have to find a different way of, of seeing ourselves, of relating to God, and, do, and, and doing the whole uh, Christian thing. Um, now, as new believers, we've been given a healthy new heart from a healthy donor. We've been given a healthy heart from Christ, who's the donor. It's perfect. It's a perfect heart. And what Christ has done for us internally will produce change externally. That's the whole point. You know, as you think in your heart, so are you. And I want to read you... Uh, I, did, I, I was going to go to Ephesians 4.24, just sort of as a verse. But actually, I was looking at it in the message, and I, I really liked the way that he said it. And, and so I wanted to read you it out of here. Um, I'll actually go back a couple of verses earlier. That's no life for you. You learnt Christ. My assumption is you paid careful attention when I was telling you. And you have been well instructed in this truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we're not ignorant. Everything, just say, I'm not ignorant. Just say, after this morning, I have no excuse. Because Mark told me this. You have no excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's dead. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. You see, rules, regulations, trying harder, all our efforts aren't capable of reproducing God's character in us. The only thing that can reproduce God's character in us is God's life in us. Yeah. And he's given us his life. And so let's, we, we finally made it to Romans. Romans chapter 5. Got the backstory. Got what we're talking about. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Because this is why it's so important what I've been talking about. For if by the transgression of one, that's Adam, death reigned through that one, much more those who receive abundance of grace... And the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, let me, let me just unpack that for you. Before you believe, death or sin reigned in your life. That, that word reigned means it ruled over you like a king. You had to follow its orders. It dominated. You, you didn't have any choice. There was, there was no other source of desire within you. You, you, you were locked in and that reigned over you. And now, um, what's happened is that your whole state has changed. You are not that person that was dominated in that way or ruled over in that way. You, you are no longer following down all the stuff that, that comes down, you know, everyone since Adam has had this nature, this, this sin nature in them from birth. But God's taken, he's performed heart surgery and changed your nature. 
so that you are no longer ruled over by your old ways of life or your old patterns of life or the way that other people say you should live your life. You actually now, through grace, that's what Christ did, the, finish, the complete finished work of the cross, and through God giving you righteousness, his righteousness, taking your sin, giving you his righteousness, through faith, you are put in a completely different position that you now have the ability to reign over things in life. You're no longer reigned over, but you have the ability to reign over things. Sin doesn't dominate. You have the ability to walk free. All life patterns don't dominate. You have the ability to walk free. And therefore, all the, the, the philosophies that, that go along with that, you're not bound by them anymore. You... you you, you are, God is creating his character in you. He's put the potential to create his character in you. And so, if you let him, you'll change. Because if you understand this, you'll change. And I, I remember, I, I guess, when I first became a Christian, um, some of you know my backstory, and basically I had a, bit, I had a foul mouth, Okay? Um, and when I became a Christian, and I, I was always getting in fights at school. There were good fights, you know, I was always like sticking up for the underdog. It was never my fault. I never started them, but I did finish them. <laughs> and I was, I, was, I was that sort of kid. And I found, well, Christ found me, and I found him. And my life changed. But I, I didn't realise, because nobody ever told me all this stuff, but I just assumed that because I'd become a Christian, things would be different. And I started reading, reading the Bible and, and thinking, wow, this is amazing. I never knew any of this. But what happened is that maybe a couple of months later, some kids saw the difference in me. And they were like sort of up for a fight. And normally I'd have said, I'm up for the fight too. But I didn't. Because what happened is I, I was thinking, right, I'm going, okay, you're not, you're not messing me around. I'm going to give you what for. And God dropped this into my heart. He said, listen to yourself. And what he dropped in was this. He said, when did you stop swearing? And I'd stopped. I hadn't sworn for ages. It's like, it's like I'm, I, I must have discovered commas and full stops because I used F words and B words all the time instead. Because, and, and God changed me because he'd given me a new heart. And I hadn't actually noticed that going on, that, that actually, if you let God change you, he'll change you. Yeah. But it's him that's doing it. Because I'd really tried, you know, my mum used to give me clips around the ear all the time, and I'd really tried to stop swearing, but it was just coming natural to me. But God changed it. And so we need to understand the scope of the change that's taking place. And the reason we need to understand it is that the power of it is released by us knowing it, by us focusing on it. Because what you, what you believe, what you focus on, is who you become. Yeah. You know, guard your heart with all diligence. Out of it flow the issues of life. Yeah. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if we see ourselves and know who we are as a new creation, our, our belief systems through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, will change and will become that new person right through in the external as well as the internal truth. 
The internal truth's there from when we're born again, but it needs to get into the external world. So let's go on to Romans 6, verse 2. Paul's starting to talk about why we... Um, it's really interesting because up to now, I've, it started to come last week, but there's been this question, and, it, and you, I expected it, and so I'm not phased by it. Okay? Because if this question wasn't coming up loud and clear by now, I would have been preaching grace wrongly. And the question is this, but what about sin? Aren't you going to talk about sin, Mark? Well, yes, I am. But the, the, my point is this, that if you preach grace properly, that question will always come up. And it's not something to be faced by. It's something to answer. So Paul starts to answer the question, because he, he's, he's now six chapters in, and he's got that same question. They're asking him the same question. Like... If, if all this is true and we, we're saved by, faith, uh, by grace through faith and it's not of ourselves, and we're given the righteousness of Christ, can't we just go on sinning? And he says this, May it never be. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Okay, we're going to get on to the topic of Paul's full response over the next couple of weeks. I'm not doing it this morning. But what I want you to see there is that Paul's saying... The issue when we're talking about sin is that you need to understand that you're dead and you need to live from the person that now is alive, not like that dead person. Because you need to understand you now don't need to sin. It doesn't rule and reign in your life. You can walk away from it. You can be changed. You can become like Christ and you've been given the power to be like Christ because the gospel is the power of God for salvation. It's got power. It's not like passive. It, it's not like, oh, let's all learn lots of facts and you know we can be super duper Christians. Super duper Christians are just people that let God change them into his character and his life. You, you know, none of this is by us being able to do it. Because if we'd been able to do it, Christ wouldn't have needed to die. So let's stop telling people that they need to sort themselves out, clean their act up, try harder, push through, press in, do all the rest of it, when Christ has already done it. And let's tell people that they need to start living from the truth that's inside them. Yeah? yeah. Okay. So when we were born again, our old sin nature, our old heart, our old desires was taken out. It's dead. It's like that diseased heart. It was taken out. And it's buried. That old person is gone. And you're born again with a new nature. That new nature is called faith righteousness. You were born with the life of God, the Holy Spirit in you. You've got a new heart. And that new heart is designed to change you from the inside out so that you start to express God's desires and God's heart and God's love through your life. If you don't know that, you'll carry on living as if your old man's still alive. 
And, and there's the problem, because then all you're left with is behaviour modification, which doesn't work because it's, it's the wrong thing to do. Go on to verse 3. Do you not know? Actually, a lot of people don't know. A lot of believers don't know this. Do you not know that all who have been baptised into Christ Jesus have been baptised into his death? You know, in preparing this, I read like loads of commentaries. And one of the things that I've discovered, I guess I knew it before, but it's been a real realisation for me over the last six months or so, is a lot of commentaries work, work on the basis that there is no supernatural. And so they read that verse and they go, well, that's water baptism. That's just like when you get baptised in water and, and, and nothing's changed... You just now need to sort your act out. You know, nothing's changed, but you need to pretend it has and then try harder and be a better Christian because you're grateful that you've been forgiven for your sins. Now, it's great to be grateful for being forgiven for your sins, but as I said, forgiveness of sins was not the goal of the gospel. It's the starting point. The goal of the gospel was for God to have family who look like Jesus. And so it's not just about forgiveness of sin. And so when you take out that, that, that God can actually do something supernatural, you're left with natural explanations. So almost every commentary I read goes, oh, well, God can't be told, you know, that, that old man, that your old nature is still alive because people still sin. So it can't mean what it says. So it must be talking about water baptism. No, read the words. You were baptised into water. It doesn't say that, does it? You were baptised into Christ. The word is baptismo. Baptismo is what they used to do uh, when they had um, cloth that they dyed. And they used to get the cloth, they used to get a big bucket of dye, and they used to put the cloth into the dye. So the cloth was in the dye, and the dye went into the cloth until they became one. That's how you dye something. And that's the word that it's using. You were placed in Christ and Christ died you. He baptismoed you. You, you. The element of baptism isn't water, it's Christ. You are placed in Christ. You're getting this? Let's have the diagram, then you, you can see it. Because diagrams are good. I, I've got, like, it really uh, brought a lot of light bulbs on for people last week when I, when I put the diagrams up. So this is how it works. You are, because you be, when you believe, you are placed, baptismal into Christ. And because you're in Christ, the life of Christ baptizes you. You, you become, the, the goal is you become indistinguishable. You're in Christ, Christ in you. Remember Jesus saying that? Me, you in me, Lord, me in you, them in me, me, and all that sort of stuff. You're in Christ, Christ in you. That's all Paul's saying. But it's, it's a miracle. You've been placed in Christ. Now, I don't fully understand what that means, but I'm glad I am. Yeah. It's cool with me because that helps me. And so we go on to verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into his death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. 
I ask you, is water baptism going to get you that? No, because the miracle of new birth gets you that. You, your old sin nature dies and you're given a new nature. Christ in you, you in Christ. A new heart to live from. And the crucial point here is that we participated in Christ's death when we believed. In other words, when we believe, something supernatural says, I'm going to count what Christ did when he died as yours. If you're looking out the other way around, normally we say, you know, Christ took the punishment for our sins. But this is saying, and, and it works the other way around, that when you believe, what Christ did is yours. So, we participated in his death when the Holy Spirit places it in Christ, and we participate in his life when Christ is in us, when we, we raise to life with him. So, for all intents and purposes, your old man, well, not all intents and purposes, but fact, your old man is dead, your old heart is dead, and you have been given a new heart. It's, Paul says, I've gone off script now, Paul says in Galatians, it's no, I have been crucified with Christ. Not, I've been symbolically crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. Not, I was told by the professor of theology that I must count myself as crucified with Christ, even though it didn't happen. No, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's saying the same thing as that, but in a different way. Your old man is dead and you have a new nature. Christianity, it's really simple. It's just be who you are. Be who you were. Christ has done it all. He's made you new. Be that person. Live from the power of the Holy Spirit in you and, and, and the understanding of the word in you and, and live from that place. Don't live from this old person. Because he's dead. Are you getting this? It's really interesting. We, we had a, a, a couple around. Uh, they, they came for like a, a quick coffee at 8 o'clock on Thursday night and left at, um, well, quarter to 12 because we got chatting, as you do. <laughs> and they, they got to another church. But basically, we, we've been introduced to them uh, through uh, our friends Stuart and Kerry, uh, who have a church in Fulham that I go down to sometimes, and Stuart and Kerry have been here. And um, they're involved in, in, in a particular sort of um, prayer ministry approach that, that, that's been pioneered in that church. And we, we were talking about this, and they were sharing their journey with us about how God had changed their lives. And we got on to onto this topic um, and we were talking about how so few people actually know this is true so few people actually hear this and and we kind of got we, we were talking about this and how that me what that 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 produces in people's lives is it produces churchgoers and the, the churchgoers who are stuck they, know, they, they want more, they, they, they sort of think there must be more than this, but they don't know anything about how it is. So, but they don't want to walk away from God, so they, they, they keep going to church. And when you're in that sort of position, what happens is you, you, your life 
uh, get stuck. In fact, often it can go backwards. It can go backwards. If you're not hearing these truths, your life goes backwards. And, and you're getting this drudgery and this effort, and it, it's just all too much. And, and so we produced right across this nation a generation of people who go to church to be entertained instead of to be changed. Because we're passive churchgoers. We go because to, to enjoy something instead of to be changed by something. And they were sharing about that. They, 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 they go to an Anglican church, but you know, they, they've seen all sorts of churches like, like we have. And, and we, we both, it was, you know like those moments where you both say the same thing at the same time. And we, we, we both came out with this um, statement. It's, it's like, now I know this, what do people talk about from the Bible? Because you've got the, the it's, it, it is right through the whole New Testament. It's the major theme. So what are people talking about if they don't talk about this? And I'm thinking like, I sat for like 20 years and I must have, you know, I got lots of information but no change. And so I get lots of, like, I, lo- I know lots of facts. The really clever Christians who have every element of doctrine nailed down, as n- nailed down as you can get it, and it's produced no difference in their lives. And that is not what Christ died for. Are you with me? And so we were talking about this, and, and I thought, yeah, it's just like, I, I, I thought I like these people. <laughs> um, now, this is where the confusion comes. And uh, if you've got one particular translation of the Bible, which if you want to ask me about later, I'll tell you which one it is, you won't get this at all. You, just, you will miss it totally. In fact, you'll miss it with most translations. Because, and, and this is where all the confusion comes and why when people read the Bible, they miss it. Because it's not that people aren't reading their Bibles. Well, it might be, but it's generally not. Because a lot of people are hungry for God. They do want God to be real in their life. They just don't know how to access it. And so they read this passage, and he's talking about dead to sin, alive to Christ, and all the rest of it, and they just can't get it. And you're going to see it over the next couple of chapters, so I'm going to tell you it now so you don't miss it. Okay? Because this is why the commentators sometimes miss it. And when you see it, you'll go, that's just really obvious. And the issue is that word sin. Okay? The word sin. So we we, we read the word sin a lot here. And we're going to read it a lot in the rest of the chapter when we get to it over the next two weeks. That word sin is correctly translated. Okay, you thought I was going to tell you it was wrongly translated, weren't you? No, it's correctly translated. It's sin. Just really pausing because I, I, I want you to get this. There are two words in the New Testament translated sin. Two words, both translated sin, both mean sin. Okay? It's going like, I'm really confused now. Two words, both mean sin, both correctly translated as sin in our language. One of those words means the condition of sin. 
the cancer of sin, the nature of sin. The other of those words means the sin action, the outward manifestation of the inward nature. Why is that? Why do we like not make that sin? Because they're both sin. They're both the word sin. We don't have another word in the English language. Because the issue is not that the word's wrong. It's that the, in, in Greek, there are two different words. One is a noun and one is a verb. And Paul is using a word, harmatano, which is a verb, which means to miss the mark. It's an action, the actions of sin. Remember the symptoms that we couldn't fix with the law. So that's the outward actions. And when he, the, the other word is similar to it, but different. It's harmatia, which is a noun. That's a name for something. That's a sin nature. It means, in Greek, something that is wrong inside. So you've got something that is wrong outside and something that is wrong inside, and we have an English word, sin, that doesn't distinguish between the verb and the noun. Now, this is what's in, important. In all but two instances, which are really obvious when you read them, because it's the context, Paul is using the noun. So all the way through Romans, he's talking about the sin nature. So when he's saying you are dead to sin, he's saying you are dead, your sin nature is dead. And you've been given a new nature, which is alive to God. So live from the new nature you've been given instead of the old nature, the old thought patterns, the old belief patterns, the things that you, you, you've lived from for years now are subject to change. As a man thinks, so is he. But what you think is now subject to change because you're not dominated by sin. You're not dominated by those old belief systems. You're not dominated by by being in rebellion to God, you can reign in life. Your life can change. You are not stuck. You don't have to live with your past. You don't have to live with, with how you've been. You don't have to live with every single fail you've ever had in your life. Yeah. The dead. Yeah, the dead. Your old man did those. He's dead. Yeah. He doesn't exist anymore. You can now walk free and God can change the way you think. And the way you think is what you do. So the point's this. God couldn't fix you by telling you not to sin because you couldn't do it. So his only way of fixing you was to change you. So he's changed you so the inward can become the outward. Are you with me? And because now you are different inside, because you have the power of the Holy Spirit, because you live from the life of Christ inside you, every aspect of your life is subject to change. Depression has to go. Being like weighed down with everything, guilt, condemnation, it has to go. Because it's not you. All that is, is your old belief systems which were trained by your old man. And now you've got a chance to be different. Because sin doesn't dominate you. You are not subject to death like you were. Stuff that previously turned out bad and produced bad stuff in you, now God's turning for good. So we're going to finish with this, okay? 
I'm going to just go back to the previous chapter, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, and it says this. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Our new nature comes from the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And because of that, our nature is now to love. So that desire that we couldn't fix, that cancer, that, that disease that damaged our hearts and everything, has been cut out. And we've been given a new healthy heart from a new donor. And that healthy heart is pumping blood round that carries love, not sin. That new healthy heart pumps love. So we, we, when we know that, we can um, partner with that so that it becomes real in our life. Instead of carrying on behaving like nothing had happened. So do you see why it's so important we know something's happened and we know it was supernatural? Yeah. And the incredible thing is we didn't do any of that. God did it all. That's why grace changes everything. Because we couldn't do that. You cannot... Guys, just... So you know this, don't, don't do this at home. You cannot perform open heart surgery on yourselves. Okay, it's one of those things that mum will tell you not to try at home. So don't try it. You can't do it. But God did it. The moment you believed, he did it. His grace changes everything because it changes you. You are not your old man. You are your new man. And you need to now live from your new nature. And the way you do that is to focus and know that you have a new nature and start flowing in love. Yeah. Let, let the blood flow come. Yeah. Are you getting this? Yeah. So I have this little phrase that I put up um, regularly on Facebook because it's one of my favourites that, that God dropped in, in my heart years ago. And it's this. And I'm going to finish with this so you can stand up, everybody. Jesus, is it, is it coming up on the screen? Yeah. Jesus did not just save you and tell you to try harder. That's what most of Christianity celebrates, the fact that Jesus saved us. And it is worthy of celebration. We were forgiven. We, we get to heaven one day. We were, we were forgiven all our sins. That's incredible. We couldn't have done that for ourselves. But he didn't stop at that. He didn't just save us and tell us to try harder. Because if he'd done that, we would have been always failing like we always failed before. He changed us and he told us to live it. Christianity is about living who we are, not trying to change the dead person who is gone. That's the power of the gospel and it's so off the page that, that we, we go like, we, we still struggle with the whole concept. But it's the truth. Your old person couldn't do anything to set themselves free. But Christ did everything and then he told you to live it. Yeah. 